folks. Ladies and gents. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals. It's us. It's us. Um, oh, oh yeah, I'm Liza. I'm Ritz. And you're listening to Little Sleep. Much Reading Podcast. Finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up, blew it completely out of his mind. What's up? <laughs> We're back. We are back. This is our first like, like not. It's not. It's not our first episode, but it's our first episode doing the thing that we usually do. That we do best. It's our first yes. book review episode of season two. It makes me think back to our first episode of season um, one, which had the same title as this episode. And if you don't read titles, if you just click on the episode. This episode is our most recent reads. We've been reading a little. Just a little. We've been trying. Um, Liza's been doing really, really good. I have been um, reading less. I realized something about myself, though, that I kind of already knew. But I've read, okay, I read one, two, three. I've read four books so far in 2022. And I think I genuinely like shorter books better than longer books. And every book I'm drawn to, not every book, but most books I'm drawn to are shorter. And I think I'm just the type of person that would like rather read a bunch of books like under 300 pages than reach for books that are like over. I don't, I don't know what it is. It could be the talent of the writer too. Because, like, I read a book, a YA book that was, like, close to 400 pages, and it just, like, I did not, I was, I mean, it was perfectly fine, and I'm sure, like, some teens are going to love it, and it was very, very cool concept, but, like, out of all of the books I've read, that one almost, like, worked to get through, and all the other books I've been reading were very short, and I'm, like, I wonder, that just reminded me of it, because, like, you were talking about, like, the style of fan fiction, like, mm-hmm. I was, like, I wonder if I'm just the type of person that likes those little, almost like snappy books rather than like big meal books. When I was younger, I think I used to read longer books and longer series of books. But now that I'm older, I can't. And I wonder if it's because the way social media is is training our brains to take things in smaller bits it could be that it could be that because i was thinking the same thing too because like this book that i read this quiet book that i didn't really like too much is called the keeper of the night and like i said it's a cool concept like i would never discourage somebody from reading it but it took me like it felt like a little bit of work to get through and there's a second one and i'm like i'm simply not going to read the second one like i don't know if I can really do series at my age, unless it was something really cool or unless maybe it was something I had already read. Like, I think I could go back and read Harry Potter. I think I could go back and read Hunger Games because they're just like fucking timeless, immaculate. Otherwise though, I do not know. I was really thinking about rereading the Fifth Wave trilogy. Love that book. So good. 
I only ever read the first one. Eliza, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. I have to read. I maybe maybe we should have an assignment. I think later on in the season, or maybe in the third season, that's reading a YA book or series that you missed, that you did not read as a teen. That's definitely something we got to do. The other book series I read as an adult, I read the first book of The Darkest Minds, and it was really good. And then I never read the other two. I think because like, I think if I had read it when I was a teenager, I would have devoured that shit and have made it my personality. But because I was like a whole ass adult when I read the first one, I didn't bother to read the other two. Should we get into it? We probably should. So today's episode, like we said, it's our latest reads. Um, and I have had such a hard time reading lately. And then I picked up this book and I am not finished with it, but I'm steadily getting through it and it totally needs to be talked about and needs to be talked about now so um, i'm so excited i read white is for witching by helen oyemi um but i read winter wood by shay earnshaw i'd like to hear about your book oh it's so good so um how i found this book is i was just looking for books (laughs) And this one, I was reading the synopsis, and it said something like, everything seems fine until the sister starts eating chalk. And as soon as I read that, I was like, this is it. This is the one. So this book is actually a haunted house story. Um, but yeah, yes, it's not your Hill House, it's not your The Shining, it's very, very different. Um, there's almost something comforting and loving about this house in a very strange way, um, but we're totally here for it. The family moves back into this house, and after it was inherited to the mother, and There's two twins and a father and a mom, and the house becomes uh, a bed and breakfast. The mother dies, and strange things begin to happen. And the sister begins uh, uh, exhibiting really strange behavior and also having very odd things happen to her. It's crazy and really really good so um for readability i'm going to give it an eight i have not been able to put it down but the only thing that makes it a little bit hard for me is there aren't always uh clear chapters sometimes it'll just go on for a really really long time which i love i don't have a problem with it necessarily um it just is sometimes hard to digest but other than other than that, I've been eating it up. For language and style, I gave this an eight. So her writing is absolutely beautiful and strange. She very much jumps to things. And it almost reminds me of Sweet Lexi Anderson's writing. I'm just going to read this little paragraph, which is right in the beginning of the book, page 14. It says... 
One night she said to him, I love you. Do you love me? She said it as lightly as such a thing can be said without it being a joke. Immediately he, he replied, yes, I love you and you are beautiful, pronouncing his words with a hint of impatience because they had been waiting in him a long time. And just like, yes, I love you and you are beautiful. For some reason that is so weird to me. Or and even saying like, because they had been waiting in him a long time. Her language is just almost lyrical and poetic, very strange. Um, sometimes she doesn't indent paragraphs, and I haven't found out exactly what the point of that is yet, but it's super interesting. And just the way that she's constantly, it reminds me of Beloved in the way that things are almost being recycled and coming back casually although um there's something strange about them her form I gave this a nine this book is actually doing a lot not just her style is weird in the way that she's saying things but also she does this really weird thing and I want to find an example of it where so she will say a word that would usually end the sentence but then continue it with a completely other thought so i'm reading the bottom of this paragraph actually i'm gonna read the whole paragraph and i'm gonna show you guys what i mean it was the pain that made her realize what she was doing she undid the watch clasp inspected it for damage then put it on the table and rubbed her swollen wrist then she felt for her pills cursing her hands for trembling so much. She put her steady hand over her trembling hand to no effect. She laid down and didn't want to shut her eyes. With the curtains drawn, it could almost be night, but she heard someone talking to Luch downstairs. She heard the clatter of cutlery. She heard the whirl of the lift broke down in the night. No one knew what time. The timing became important when Asbur and Esma couldn't find their older daughter in the morning. So if you heard what I did there, it says like she heard the whir of the lift and like the lift is on its own line and mid justified. And then she continues broke down in the night. And it's almost as if like a thought was like paused and then suddenly picked up again, which would make sense for the the sister character who is it seems almost as if she's not completely in her mind and another really interesting thing that's happening in this book is there are sections that are from the point of view of the house and at first when I was reading them I didn't even realize who they were from until I I don't know until I don't know how I even realized it I just suddenly was like, who is speaking in this? And then I was like, okay, well, they used Miranda by name and they used Elliot by name. So who who is it? And then I, I, I realized that it was the house speaking, which is so creepy at times. Um, and it's also interesting because the house can tell the experiences of things that have happened in the past with different characters um 
absolutely love it. So form is definitely without a doubt getting a nine. So many fun things are happening in this book and so many, so much room to think about and be inspired about. For shelf worthy and read again, I'm not even done with this book. I still have maybe 50 pages to go, but I can tell you this is a hundred percent shelf worthy. Um, and it is something that I already am excited to go and read from the beginning and see things that I've missed. It's just such a good story. It's it's definitely something that should be on people's shelves. And I think that you should spend your money on it and definitely support her as a, a person of color woman author. For plot, I give this book a seven. And it's not because the plot, the plot is good. It's just the way that she's telling it. Sometimes it gets a little bit confusing, but that's just because there's so many people who could be talking and she switches through them very fast. But I like, I know she's doing it purposefully. You could tell that. There, there are so many reading this book. I'm not like, wow, this is really, really scary. But there are certain parts where I'm like, oh, that that really, really freaks me out. And she's really good at describing things without giving you the whole picture. So it's something very, very creepy, but it, it makes it more creepy that you're thinking of it in your brain and the way that you're picturing it. So good. It's so good. Um, for characterization, I gave this a nine. I'm actually really, really into the characters. And... I think me and Micah have talked about this before, but there's something often really, really weird with siblings, especially boy and girl siblings. And to make it worse, like these are boy and girl twins. So I'm like, there's something weird going on here. But at the same time, I'm like, I actually really, really like them. I like their dynamic. I like that he's kind of cool and you know popular at school and she's like weird and crazy and has pica which is making her eat chalk so I, I really like their dynamic it's really really interesting and the characters who they are introducing the people who come in and out of the bed and breakfast are really interesting characters that aren't that are comparable to the main characters even if they're only in it for a couple pages um and yeah I'm super super loving this book and I can't wait to finish it and see I don't think I'll ever know exactly what's going on here but I'm excited to see how our characters um, end up facing what is going on. And yeah, everybody go get go get this book and don't eat chalk. It's bad for you. And that's the tea on that. Can I just say that when you were like saying that the, it, there's um, times where it's from the house's point of view, I was like, um, immediately yes immediately yes i'm obsessed with that 
there's something about this book that I'm reading it and I'm like, this is so Liza. Every, like, the, I feel like you're going to read this book and be like, oh my God. I'm so excited to read it eventually. And I'm excited to read her other book too, because I'm probably going to get around to one of her other books first, because um, you'll see when we reveal what our February theme is. But um, that sounded so good. And also, I love like, the idea of a bed and breakfast in a haunted house being also like the backdrop of something being a hotel and a haunted house but like this is obviously way different than like the shining or something like that but like still like that concept is so interesting to me and you get so many weird characters coming into bed and breakfast so mm -hmm. the fact that she's not the type of author it seems like that has throwaway characters amazing phenomenal love i it. love it we love it we love it um have you seen encanto yes okay you know how like when they're first talking about how the house was made and like it like waves to them with the shutter yeah and then when it dies it like waves goodbye i cried dude when i was waving goodbye i was like no <laughs> i cried a few times in that movie i was like yes but, like, I don't know what it was with the house. It, like, literally broke my heart. Yeah. I love what this house reminds me a lot of that house. Oh, cool. Interesting. Okay. It does creepy things, like, like, but, I mean, I guess, I guess that house wasn't doing creepy things, but it does move things and things like that. They don't do a good job of explaining this in the TV show, but in the movie, no, sorry, in the book. Not the movie. In the book of Haunting of Hill House, you kind of get the impression that the house is kind of a, a like its own thing. Um, and they do speaking of, I said movie by accident, but there is a movie from like the 1930s. Um, no, not that old. <laughs> How old could it be? It's, I think old. it's like the 60s. The 60s. Right? I, I have no concept of time. I'm like Shirley Jackson isn't even from that time period. Um, it's old. It's in black and white, I think. Um and it does a good job at showing that like the house is kind of like its own force whereas they do so more so make it the ghost and like the actual energy of the people in the tv show which is phenomenal but i still love the idea of a house that's kind of like alive yes this is this is definitely that one thing that's always stuck with me about the Haunting of Hill House movie, which I think is called just The Haunting, question mark. Yeah. But um, one of the reasons, one of the ways that they made it seem so strange is that they would shoot from really awkward angles. And that's always something that has just like stuck with me. And I've been like, how do I make that concept of like like seeing something from a weird angle and knowing that something's off without you um being able to like put your finger on that how do I make that into writing I think about that all of the time but yeah this house this this scary house is hitting the nails right on the head and um it's also I think the house is anti-man which I can <laughs> That's me. Love, her. love it. Oh my god. How exciting. We yeah, we love her very much. Also, very pretty cover. Very cool cover. I see it all the time at work. And yeah, that that's white is for witching. 
Fight is for witching. Um. So if anyone has witching to do, you have you have to wear white. It's full moon today. Is it really? I gotta charge my ring up then. It's the wolf moon. <laughs> I like that. The first moon of the year. Um. And it's also Mercury and get retrograde. Of course. What else less, is new? Less fun. We're going to pause right here for a minute so that yeah. everyone can howl for the wolf moon. Go ahead. Nice. Good job. Good job. Good job. Um, speaking of witches and moons, my book was also about witches. Um, and it was Winter Wood by Shay Earnshaw. Um, and just to give like a little bit of a summary. No, this is a YA book, by the way. Um, and like I said earlier in the episode, it's it's not a sequel, but it's the second book by this author. Um, and the first book is one of the best YA books I've ever read. Probably the best YA book I've ever read. And like, honestly, one of my favorite books, period. Um, and it takes place on this kind of witchy girl who kind of runs the lighthouse in the seaside town. And instead of like witchiness, there's mermaids, but they're kind of more like selkies or sirens. And that's the premise of that. Um, but it has one of the best plot twists I've ever seen ever happen in literature. Like the, probably the best. Like I can't think of one plot twist. Well, no, I can't. <laughs> we were talking about Beloved last week. Um, that wins. Um, but so this is obviously very different. It's a fucking teenager book, but the plot twist was insane. And this book also has a really crazy plot twist, but I guessed what it was like a quarter or I guess what it was a third of the way through. But then she tricked me and I was like, no way. Um, that's not actually what it is. I was I was just, you know, and then it and then it was what I thought, but then it was not the same way that I thought it was. So, and then she did another plot twist. <laughs> so she 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 had me there. Um, but it follows this girl, um, Nora Walker, um, who lives in the woods, and all of her ancestors share a connection to the woods um, in the middle of nowhere, basically. And some of the pages are like from the spell book. So the pages from the spell book are black with white ink. And um, they're kind of from her grimoire, but also about the other Walker women in her family. Um, and they all have different magical powers. Speaking of Encanto, um, they all have kind of different magical powers. There's also a boys camp nearby. And it's not camp like summer camp because this is in the middle of like the biggest snowstorm of the year. It's like a camp, I think you're supposed to gather that as like a camp for troubled boys. And so they live in cabins, but it's not like sleepaway camp. Like it's like school more like, um, and they live in cabins. And so the woods um, where she lives, there's a specific part of the woods where lost things turn up. So if you have lost things, they turn up there. And one day she's walking there and she finds a boy um, cold, lying in the snow, and she brings him back to her house. Meanwhile, a boy has gone missing at the camp, 
And so it's this whole thing where you're like, okay, if this is where lost things turn up, what's going on? But then there's actually two boys missing. And this is not a spoiler because it basically, this does kind of become a murder mystery. But one of the boys is dead. And then there's this other boy who turned up lost. And it's kind of a matter of like figuring out who he is at first, but then figuring out how the other boy died. And then it's all kind of this big mystery that has to get solved um, in different ways. Um, very cool book. I really, really liked it. For readability, I gave this book an 8.5 because I thought it was hinging on a binge book. Um, it, I blew through it. Um, and it was, yeah, it was hinging on a binge book. It, it was, I do want to say it was playing on my mind too when I wasn't reading it because of the, because I knew this author and her plot twists. And so sometimes when I would close the book, I would be like, interesting. Like I would be thinking about what different things meant. Um, and it's also so vibey. Like I'm so witchy and I grew up in the woods. Um, and so like it, it felt really like cozy to me and was playing on my mind in that way that like the aesthetics kind of like wrapped me up for like four days or however long it took me to read the book. Um, so I like that. Um, for language and style, I gave this book an eight. Um, I really like Shay Earnshaw's writing style. It was kind of what like Marissa was saying about like the guy that wrote The Fifth Wave. Why authors have such a way with words like don't knock them down just because they're writing for teens. Like some of these authors are really remarkable and I think Shay Earnshaw is one of them. Um, I love her writing style. I'm trying to think of if there's any passages in particular, but her writing style is very like wispy. Like it's not like flowery at all. Like it's very straightforward, but it's almost like a little bit dreamy. And I think her settings are very important because like I said, her last book takes place on the ocean and this one takes place in the woods. And she is so good at giving you descriptions of the place which I think is really important because I my one critique of YA sometimes is that the writers forget to do that. There's so much in their char main characters' heads um, because that's just an easy way for um, kids to relate to a character is from first person. But I think sometimes when writers write in first person, they, they forget to do so many of these other important things um, with, their, with their setting um, and like um, almost like a giving a vibe without the main character saying it was spooky out. Like, you know what I mean? Like she just does a gorgeous job um, with the, with the descriptions of her places. And I think it would be interesting to talk to her, but I'm guessing she's one of those writers that like, I wonder if maybe even the place comes before the story. Um, Cause that happens to me a lot. Um, when I write, I'm like, okay, this is the place. Now what happened here? Like I'll see it. And then I have to figure out, who was there and what was going on. Um, form, I'm gonna keep the form. Um, I give it a six because I thought there was things I liked about it and things I didn't. I love the pages that are the spell book um, that are black. And I think it's a really cool way to break it up. And it adds like a lot of depth to it, I think too. The one thing I will say is this was split between Nora's perspective 
and who's the main character, and Oliver's perspective, who is the boy they found in the woods. And sometimes switching perspectives in YA books between like the boy and the girl love interest gets a little bit old. Um, and I can't remember if she did this in the Wicked Deed too. But I liked both the guy and the girl in the Wicked Deed. And I liked both the guy and the girl in this, but I think if you do that, you have to have really, you have to really like the two characters for very different reasons and their voices have to be very different. And Nora and Oliver, are, their voices are different because one's a teenage boy and one's a teenage girl. But I did like Nora, I think, better. Um, and so Oliver's sections are very intriguing because he's the one with a lot of mystery around him. But, and I don't know how she would have done it without giving Oliver's perspective. Like, I think she needed to, which is why I'm giving it a six. Um, but I also wonder if, like, there could have been a way to do it like a third person when she needed to give information about Oliver or if the whole book could have been a third person I don't know but it's it's doing what it needed to be done and I understand that YA works better often in first person um so I don't really have a real problem with it it was just like that's one of those things that's like not my fave for shelf worthiness I gave this a seven I think it's definitely collection worthy I'll be hanging on to it um I think it knowing what you know at the end of the book in the same way you know what you know at the end of her other book the wicked deep it would be so fun to read it for a second time because i'm 99% sure i missed so many clues that what was happening was happening um and that's like my favorite thing to look for too and that's also one of my favorite things to do as a writer like it always feels like what a like what a fun thing to know what happens at the end of the story and knowing that the person who's reading it doesn't know Oh, it's just so cool. So I like that about it. For plot, I give this book an eight. Um, hence, because of the <laughs> plot twist, that shit was crazy. Um, but also, I thought the love story was quite sweet. And it it was a little bit idealistic, but it also made sense in other ways and felt more realistic than some books with romance. Um, and I think books with romance are really fun to read every once in a while. Like, I'm not a romance girly. Like, you will not catch me reading a romance novel, period. Um, but I do get entertained when there's a, a little drip of romance in the book. Um, so that was, like, fun. And also, the last section of the book was, like, very intense, um, which I always, I think this had a really weird, like, arc because it was, like, almost like the beginning was all like wiggly if I could describe it and then the middle was almost more like a plateau and then it went boom spike up and then immediately dropped down for the last for the ending because the ending was so weird but I liked it but it was like you don't get to know what I know but now you know this but you don't know this that and the other and I was like what so that's how I would describe the uh, arc of that um and then last but not least, characterization. I gave this book a seven. I love Nora. I think even though you don't meet them as much, the Walker women and her family that you get to see little bits and pieces of are really intriguing characters. Um, like I said, I liked Oliver. Um, I thought he was sweet. And that some of the other characters were a little bit throwaway but not actually, I just don't know anything about them at all. 
other than they what they do in the story if that makes sense like I feel like sometimes it's fun to know stuff about people even if you can't if you're not spending that much time with them outside of the plot of the book does that make sense like okay and like I don't know she definitely captured some like teenage douchebaggery with some of these other boys um which I I thought was very entertaining and the villain is like nasty like I did not like him one bit um so like they were good the other characters were good but they weren't like told in the same way Nora was and I felt the same way about Oliver like he felt half full and I feel like she may have actually done that in the other books too which is just interesting because clearly the girls are always the heroes in her books which I'm like here for um but I think something about her trying to keep the boys a little bit mysterious which teenage girls love by the way like I can totally see why you would do that like I would have eaten this shit up when I was a teen like I would have been like I love him like like love that but I'm like okay give me something to hold on to about him like who is he like again like he felt a little bit more like what he was doing in the book was really well-rounded but him off the page was not whereas Nora it felt like she was like real like it felt like she was like this person um outside of the of the context of the book uh which is always good and fun and fresh when writers do that with their characters so it's almost like this writer really focuses on her heroine and then the uh, all the other characters are very much support and cast it's just a little weird because Oliver has his own points of view so you would think that they should carry the same weight as characters but they like don't so that's the only reason like I didn't score it as high for um for characters but yeah that is Winterwood a great way to kick off the new year I thoroughly enjoyed it I'm so intrigued now I'm like hmm what what do I not know that I that I want to know I feel like you should read both of the, the this and the Wicked Deep for like fun, like when you get a chance, because I think you would like them. Like they're very fun. Um, I'm definitely gonna read the Wicked Deep because yeah. that I know that you really really like that one. I think you said it was your favorite YA book, so I have it written down and everything. Yeah, I'm gonna I, they're that, just definitely. like fun. Like sometimes you just need to have fun, right? When you're reading, and that's why I love YA because it's almost always fun. I feel like usually in YA books, there are, when when you're talking about the villain characters, there are either villain characters that are, like, almost grouped, and then there are villain characters that are, like, these are villain characters, but villainous in different ways for different reasons, and I feel like YA really does that best. Um, for instance, like, if you think of uh, like the Maze Runner, for example, there's like a group, the people who like created the maze, and they're obviously, they're, I mean, they're literally they're called Wicked, and they're supposed to be like this group of like the all-encompassing bad. Um, but then if you think of like the Hunger Games, like the capital 
it's not bad. Those the people there aren't bad. Um, and there are certain like like different tiers, different levels of badness. If you go for the first hundred games, the um the opposite tribute to be seen as like bad, although they're not really bad. This is just what they are conditioned to do. Um if you think of like the Gone books, I don't know if anyone has read those, but they were really, really good. And there's one character who he's a bad character, but it's like you can see his reasons to be bad and it doesn't feel like he's completely evil. Um, and then there's this other bad character who is genuinely like sadistic and kind of evil. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what it is about YA, but they just really get like a full circle of like what is bad um, that I really appreciate often. I think there was also like, I just believe that the YA Renaissance was when we were teens, but I'm sure everybody thinks that. But um, there was some sort of like, like I feel like the reason Gen Z are all like Marxist feminists um, is because like all the books we were reading were like, um, yo, the government, the society like shits on women and people of color and poor people and we need a revolution. And we were all like, bet. Like we were like, we were like, cool. Um, nope. I think that's like the interesting thing about like, whenever you're saying like what you were talking about, even there's a line in the Hunger Games that's like, remember who the real enemy is? Because the enemy is not the other tributes. It's the cap, it's present snow. Cause it's not even the people, I mean, the, the people in the capital are shitty, like privileged people who don't understand shit about shit. But like, you feel bad for them in Mockingjay when they're all getting bombed. Like, you're like, fuck. Um, so like that line where Finnick says that, it's like, period. Like, that's the thing that why, like, that's the thing, too, that we were talking about with, like, YA is a whole big adventure. There's more time to create levels of villains when there's an adventure than there is, you know, if you're reading an adult novel where it's however many days or, you know, it doesn't change the stakes. We still love high stakes in adult novels. But, like, there isn't really ever an opportunity for that sort of hierarchy of enemies that you get, mm -hmm. you were saying, in YA. You saying, Finnick, I, like, <laughs> had some emotions that came up there. I was just talking about Finnick today because I was saying, like, if you haven't read Hunger Games at this point, like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to just say what I'm going to say now, because if you haven't read it, you're just a butt. Hey, guys, future Marissa here. We're about to spoil some things that happened in the Hunger Games. Um, so if you haven't read that yet and you want to, skip ahead quite a bit. Um, give it a minute. And then if we're still talking about the Hunger Games then, give it another minute. Um, and by then we should definitely be done. But... Um, we just want to talk more books, and The Hunger Games are something we both related to, so we're going to talk a little bit about that, just a tiny bit, and then we'll be done, because it relates to YA, it's super popular YA. Anyways, whatever. 
thank you for listening and i hope you keep listening even after i stop saying this okay yeah bye love you um but finnick's death was like one of the fucking worst things that ever happened to me as a little reader but even his death felt more justified than when she, when Suzanne killed Prim. I will never forgive her for that because it made the whole series feel like a waste of my okay. motherfucking time. Literally, like Finnick, like you you almost had to kill Finnick in the same way you have to kill like one of the Weasley twins, like somebody you love. You just have to kill to make you hate the capital as much as you possibly could. It's also yeah, and and like. Finnick and Joanna, that was her name, right? They've been through it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like by the end of the third book, they very much deserve a death. Yes. So, like, even though I'm just gonna say it right now, guys, if we're ever talking books and I'm like, oh, this character is my favorite character, they're gonna die because it happens to me every single time. Nick and his sugar cubes, I-, I fell in love with him the moment he offered Katniss a sugar cube. And... He was undeniably the best fucking character in that and franchise. His, like backstory, I feel like we never get enough of it and not fair. When they said they were, when Suzanne, that motherfucker, bitch, I know where you live. She lives in Woodstock, Connecticut, and I am like 30 minutes away from there when I'm at my parents' house. When she was like, I'm doing another Hunger Games book, I was like, bet, because if it's Hamish's backstory or Finnick's backstory, I'm going to eat that up. Girl, she gave us President Snow's backstory. I don't give a shit about that old part. Like, why? Absolutely why? not. Why? I'm done with her. I mean, we love you, Suzanne. Like, we love you. But also, fuck you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was a big ouch. The year is young. The podcast is young. And the books are forever and endless. The books are endless. Um, Yeah, we have more episodes coming. In fact, we have a whole month theme. Because next month is very special. It is. It is very special. Um, it is, in fact, Black History Month. Woohoo! This is your regular reminder, which we have, we do, we, or try to remember to say for all of the observance months, um, to buy books by Black authors. Um, buy those books from black owned bookstores and if you can't do that buy them from indie bookstores or take them out from the library you can also always find one online and order it and have it shipped to you yeah literally like we will probably end up posting a list of black owned bookstores just like we did with hispanic owned bookstores and indigenous owned bookstores um just so you can do that and support um black writers and artists and booksellers and creatives for the entire month of february so get your books now in preparation um we could help you guys out a little bit we're actually going to be doing a different theme 
um, each week as we usually do, but things that we like. But I think that the themes that we have are, you know, kind of going to hit in quite a few different places mm-hmm. um, of Black authors. And, and I'm very excited for all the books that I picked out. I'm so excited. And I also just want to say, like, you know, too, that Marissa and I are always talking about how, like, horror is very white male. Sci-fi is very white um um, magical even fantasy is very white mysteries are very white male and so our other goal with not only observing black history month um was to be like hey you don't have to be reading If, if mystery is your favorite genre in the whole world guess what bitch you don't have to just be reading mysteries by dead white people middle-aged white guys there's lots of other options for you and we're going to give you some fun ideas but we're going to kick off the month with um kind of the theme that just goes with the title of the month which is black history month and we kind of left that up to interpretation of whether we wanted to do like actually like black history or like a historical fiction by a black author Mm -hmm. um so i am going to read the um perishing by natasha dione which is a new book so i always think it's fun to read a book that's like fresh off the press and this is historical fiction um i'm gonna be doing something a little bit different it's a book called the 1619 project born on the water by nicole hannah jones and renee watson and it's actually a children's book um but the illustrations are to die for and i think that this is something important for kids too so i think it was this was a really good choice and i'm excited to do it with you guys i'm so excited go buy your books people now right now you don't have to read the books we're reading but you could follow the theme that we're following if you want so you Mm -hmm. could pick out a black historical fiction or you could read nonfiction about a piece of black history this week. We will see you to talk about it on February 3rd. Wow, February 3rd. And we'll know by then if there's going to be six more weeks of winter or not. Dr. <laughs> County Phil is going to crawl out and tell us. I want to go there and see him so bad. I know, he's so cute. I kind of like groundhogs. I love groundhogs. I had one that lived under my shed for a while when I was a little kid and we played Metallica and it left like we we put a speaker in there and played Metallica and it left he wanted light rock he did not want heavy metal (laughs) he was like this this ain't it guys I'm out his favorite band is Matchbox 20 and you guys ruined his day (laughs) we are one almost alone I love Matchbox 20 me too it's it's kind (laughs) of bad (laughs) but Go buy your books, guys. Um, And we're really, really excited. Like we said, we have this whole season planned. And maybe in like a month or two, we will announce something special about the podcast that um, we're hoping is going to happen. So stay tuned for that little surprise. And if you are not following us, then you should be following us. Um, So go to our socials. Instagram and TikTok and Twitter at LSMR Podcast. 
And for TikTok, we're going to start posting more on that because we want to be part of the book community and give you guys some fun book talk. Yay! Thank you for listening. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye.